0: Welcome back to We Written. My name is Andrew Slack. Thank you guys so much for being here. This is our fourth episode. Um, I don't have a whole lot to give you on the beginning of this. I just want to thank everybody who's listened to to the podcast so far, because this is really a labor of love. Um, It's part of this new business plan that I have uh, to succeed as a professional writer, because I've been an artist my entire life. I've been a professional dancer, and uh, I've been a writer for a long, long time, but I'm trying to make it my job. And this is just one facet of that whole thing and it's it's i'm really passionate about it and those of you that have supported you're awesome and i really appreciate your work i cannot tell you your work i appreciate your support i appreciate your work too uh and speaking of work i appreciate i so i'm so thankful for those of you who've talked to me about uh submitting work for the show remember if you want to submit work i just have to have an actual conversation with you and then uh you send your work in and we put you on the channel either i read it or you do or anything like that um and I've got a whole bunch of new projects that are coming that will be revealed at a later date. Uh, and I've got a story for you guys actually about being a professional writer. Uh, it's going to be re- revealed. It's going to be released on Chickenfoot TV, uh, my my YouTube channel, uh, on this Friday for the vlog. And if you're already if you're watching this on Chickenfoot TV, hi, how you doing? Like and subscribe. Thanks, guys. Uh, completely shameless. But um, today we're going back from the perspective of David. He was the very first character that we we found in We Written. And you may or may not remember, but the first episode, uh, just a quick recap. David, uh, avid hiker, goes down hiking in what's called the Mythic Valley all the time. And there is the Mythic Middle Path that almost nobody goes to. And more importantly, nobody has ever gotten to the end of, uh, for the most part. And David himself... Chooses to go down there, it takes him a couple days, and he finds a settlement, a few cabins, and one very nice one. And within he finds a deed to the land, and he signs it. And that's where we're going to pick off. Uh, pick off. We're going to pick up from there. So here is today's episode of We Written. The Janes, man, they're, they sure are amazing people. I mean, I still can't get over that story about John's dad's shoes. I mean, he's told it like a handful of times and all, but it, it always gets me, you know? I mean it's it's got to be a shot to the heart when even Clyde stays quiet. I don't think I've I don't think I've ever seen him so thoughtful as long as we've worked together. I mean who knows? Maybe maybe he's deeper than I give him credit for. Maybe there's more to him than Wait, wait, hold on. Actually, he he did make a pass at Tabitha and then Abigail Green one right after the other. Like while they're standing next to each other. Like who, maybe he's not that thoughtful. I like, who does that? Like, who, I don't, I don't ever, I've seen it a lot, but I don't understand when people are like, they hit on the friend right after hitting on the person, you know what I mean? So, I gotta wonder if the shotgun blast approach ever works. Anyway, after they left, the Janes, I mean, uh, we all went back to work, everyone except me. See, I didn't have any clients that whole day. I'd uh, used another sick day to work with Tabitha on the Mythic Valley deal, m- my deal. My acquisition of the Mythic Valley. Did I mention that I now owned uh, the entire Mythic Valley? Because now I owned the entire Mythic Valley. (laughs) Thank you so much. So, it's awesome. I don't know what to say. I mean, what a perfect time to be a neurotic planner who always needs, absolutely needs to have two pens on them at at, at any given time. One black and one blue. I'm telling you, man. If you just... Whatever you do, embrace your eccentricities no matter how big or how small because one day, one day, they might let you own half of a damn county. <laughs> actually, I think about it and it hadn't occurred to me at the time how big the valley was, like how much I actually owned now. So I asked Tabitha and, you know, it. <laughs> sorry, it's, it's something, this side note, it, it's funny to me how badly John and Martha Jane... Uh, push me and Tabitha together like on the daily Sometimes it feels like smashing us into a couple is about 60% of their job, you know, and not that I'm complaining I mean, I'm not because she's I mean she, Tabitha's I mean she's perfect. No, really she's perfect. I mean, yeah, she's gorgeous and all but like just listen to her talk to her <laughs> Yeah, I mean things that come out of that woman's brain Anyway, I, um that that's why I picked her to handle the Valley because she's brilliant. Uh, I mean if there's anything that goes goes wrong or anything that's worth noting, she's going to catch it. And honestly, there's nobody better in the office than than her, me included. So we're sitting at her desk which uh, had a had a much comfier client chair than I did. I mean, it smelled better too. So I make a mental note to, to upgrade for my clients. <laughs> Uh, sorry Uh, we we sit at her desk and she starts scanning the paperwork she dug up on the valley and there's just so much of it so much i mean the land alone counted for well over half of the land in hornsby county no joke i mean i i I had no idea that the valley was just so big i mean it rolls down and it snakes around and it even it, it includes the mountains here and there i owned mountains I mean and Tabitha tells me that I'm now the majority landowner for the county. And that that wasn't even the good stuff. That was just the beginning. That was that wasn't even the juicy stuff. See at this point I'm already sweating. I I owned over half of where I live and then she just kept going and it turns out that there's this weird clause a long time ago filed in in some paperwork about the land's original owner and it basically stated that whatever sat on the land or was part of the land or was beneath the land, it was all property of the landowner. So I owned, I owned so much more than just dirt and trees and like a great hiking trail and a couple cabins. I mean, that, that would have been plenty for me, for damn sure. I owned i owned anything and everything property-wise that, was, that so much is touched the land. If it was rooted in the land, I owned it. And that's ludicrous. I mean, I've like there, yeah. Emblematic things are those kind of clauses exist, but not like this. I mean, it meant that I owned everything. Some of my clients' properties, even, and basically everything that they owned that was emblematic to the land. If it was attached to the land, then I owned it. Not their businesses or anything, but yeah, everything else. Hornsby County is huge, by the way, in homesteading businesses and and uh, independent contractors and engineers and farmers and more stay-at-home professionals than basically anywhere else I've ever been To so just use that to think about the the equipment alone. Never mind. My head was spinning. Sorry. My, my Head was spinning and I don't know what else to to say about it. I was sweating and I was loopy and I was Confused. I was very very confused and at some point I remember Tabitha's hand was on my back and the other was on my neck and she was asking if I was okay, which I wasn't, I sure wasn't, and she started rubbing my neck, and it helped me it helped me calm down a little. Her hands are strong. She helped me calm down, she helped me focus, she helped me breathe, she breathed with me, millions, billions maybe, I don't know, trillions. I was so rich, property value wise, and I was so influential now that I honestly, I could have been considered the king of Hornsby County, which is which sounds really ugly, because Hornsby is not a regal name. I'm so diverting. I'm sorry. But, okay, I never hurt for money growing up. I've never, I've never gone hungry except for in college, but everybody goes hungry in college. I make plenty to survive and, and to do things that I love. And I make enough to save with a little extra to be stupid and very irresponsible if that happens. And I don't hurt for money. And I, I understand the value of things. I work in a, in a bank and with property. I, I, I don't care who you are, though. You, I don't give a smooth, golden shit who you are. When someone mentions the word trillions, your brain just goes ape shit. You can't. At least I can't. I can't comprehend a number like that. I mean, I've been to a Giants game, Go Giants, and it's like 60,000 people in one place. And I remember going to, to Pride in San Francisco once, and I thought that it was all of these, like, I thought it was all the people in the entire world, that it was so many people. There couldn't be any more people in the entire world than that. And what I'm saying is, Is your brain, it can't comprehend numbers like that. I had some serious dry mouth. So Tabitha brought me a glass of water and I drank it fast. And it wasn't water. I coughed. It was whiskey. I like whiskey. Tabitha likes whiskey. I forgot that Tabitha liked whiskey. So, you know, I like Tabitha, like, more than a friend, you know? Because, God, she's so hot and she's so fucking smart. Fuck, she's smart and she's so nice. She asked, uh, she asked if I was okay and we breathed together more in and out. You know, you knew, you know how to breathe. And it eventually, eventually, I calmed down enough to start understanding my position. Not all of it, mind you, but, I mean, really, honestly, it was everything that I had just to understand that I owned my favorite hiking spot in the cabins in the woods. I mean, that was enough. That that alone would have been plenty. And then Tabitha starts talking again, you know, and uh, she's going through the legalese and for some reason that sort of thing always mellows me out. But then she got really quiet. And I wasn't so mellow anymore. And we got back to some of the businesses that would be affected by my owning the land. And She was just about, she was like whispering after a little bit. I had to ease in and over her desk just to hear her. God, she smelled good. Focus. Okay, right. The point is, is she was quiet. Here's the deal. This is some advice if you ever come into some absurd amount of money. You don't brag about it. Don't be loud about it. That's why Tabitha was being so quiet. There were just, look, there's been too many famous or rich folk who get more than they bargain for when people figure out how much they're worth. I could probably name at least three people, one actually from the county who got murdered after winning the lottery. I mean, fuck, there, there's a guy who got shot by his, his cousin, I think, or his brother or something. It was over 400 grand. 400 grand. That's not worth, that's not a human life. That's not worth a human life. But I mean, trillions? No. No money, no amount of money is worth a human life. Trillions though? No. Uh, The point is, it is safer if no one knew. If no one knew how much money I had or how much I was worth now, anything like that. The problem was, and I didn't think about it at the time uh, when I signed the thing, there were people... Uh, I, I don't know how many, there were enough people around me when the Janes had stopped in, and they had praised me and been very vocal about Tabitha and my's New Deal, there were enough people, I don't, know, I, I don't know which ones from town, they knew that I owned the valley. And I wondered, I wondered, how many of those however many knew what that meant? How many people even knew that their properties were part of Mythic Valley? Or how many people knew what it meant to own Mythic Valley? One thing was for damn sure, and that is uh, people know me. Uh, I've been I've been part of William Jane for a long time now, uh, long enough that I know just about everybody in town for sure, and probably most of the county. I also I, and I go out a lot. I'm very social, and honestly, I would say that I leave a lasting impression. I'm a social guy. I'm very nice, and. Uh, you know, I'm just just off the top of my head. I'm just thinking about Hornsby County. I've done a lot of work and traveling around the world my entire life, and so I know a lot of people. And now, I mean, and I may not have a lot of family, but or or a lot of close friends for that matter. But you know, I've got a lot of friends. You know what I'm talking. And I was sure that I was going to get a whole lot more. So more panic uh, paranoia, and then some lots and lots of panic and paranoia, and I was suddenly very aware of my mortality, and I was frantically shuffling through the Rolodex of my mind, you know, background-checking as best I could, every single, each and every single person that I had worked with, or met, or even bought a cup of coffee from, and now I suspected each and every one of them was gonna come in and kill me at a moment's notice. Great! My every sense was electrified, like awakened to this horrible fantasy where I was dodging bullets on my way home and and sidestepping trap after, after trap, just trying to get to the bathroom. You know, suddenly, as far as I was concerned, everyone was out to get me. I mean, they weren't, but they could be as far as I was concerned. They all could be. And all that I had was myself and my wits, which were gone, and I had to survive. I had to run. And so what do you do? When you're afraid of the world and paranoid like a minor dictator whose psyche is collapsing like a souffle at a metal concert, you make a scene, and you make this noise, and you run the fuck out of your place of business all at the same time. You sound like an old furnace about to shit itself, and you run like your arms and legs might fall off at any second, and this is your last chance to use them. You run to your car, you think that every screech of a tire is a drive-by for you? That every person on a cell phone is trying is telling the sniper in his perch that the asset is on the move and it's time to take the shot and take the shot? And I don't even, huh? I don't even remember driving to the trail at Mythic Valley. I honestly, I blacked out and then I black in and I'm I'm there already and I'm standing in front of my car. I'm still in my suit and tie and I'm pale as death. And I remember there's people around me but I couldn't hear a single one of them. You ever do that? And at this point I'd sweat through my shirt and I was making some really nice soggy headway on my suit. I I do remember loosening my tie and then I just started to walk down, uh, down the middle path. And you might remember that the middle path took me a couple days to reach the end of it. I mean, yeah, you know, it took longer because it'd been bad weather and I'd really taken my time, you know, you may also remember that I had prepared for my trek last time with, like, food and also water. You know, things that we all need to survive doing insane shit like running off on a multi-day trek. Yeah. So I I head in, and I stop a few feet after I started down the path. Something just wasn't really right. The hair on the back of my neck was tingling. You ever get that feeling? Sure, I mean, yeah, sure you do. Everybody's been paranoid. It's paranoia. Everyone's been paranoid at some point in their life. Have you ever actually listened to that feeling? Of course, no. You, of course you haven't. Hell no, you haven't. Because when people talk about being paranoid, it's always made fun of. Yeah? Or it's just written off as, as crazy. And who the hell wants to be the crazy person? Who? No one. No one wants to be the crazy person. And I sure didn't, despite how I was acting since bolting from work. And I'm, as I'm going down this path, every so often I would hear... This clanking sound, like metal on metal, and these really heavy steps. And I know, I know, it's stupid, but all I could think about was Frankenstein. Or something like a, a zombie in chains. And, whatever. Anyway, the point is, I kept hearing this, and I was just, as I was going down the path, and it really wasn't helping my nerves. Oh, uh, fun fact. Do you know what else they call paranoia? Instinct. My instincts were telling me that something very bad was behind me, that something was following me, and I didn't listen. And man, I, should've, I, should've I, I should have listened. I should have listened. It was two or three hours, uh, about two hours, I'd say, before my hangar started setting in. You ever get that? Hangry? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It was, like, well, honestly, I, it w- like I said before, it was not, like, my first time heading down the path. See, I'd prep, like I said, I'd prep the first time, had also been in good spirits, wasn't like that this time. I'd also had plenty to zone out about that wouldn't drive me further down the black hole of my crazy in my brain. But all I could think about was who was most likely to kill me in my sleep or who was the most bloodthirsty in my past. Worst yearbook ever. Whenever my brain would chill out, my instincts would take over and that same increasingly nauseating feeling would wash back over me. And then there was that clanging sound, that metal shit banging together like chains. Or I can't put my, I couldn't put my finger on it. The heavy steps, well, they were distant enough that it could have been my own heartbeat, so I kind of wrote that off. Or it could have been a bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a bear. Uh, let's imagine it was a bear. That's really good. That's that's calming, sure. But um, every time I glanced back, of course, there was nothing there. So I went from. I actually went from thinking crazy thoughts to actually saying them out loud. I was actually formulating this strategy out loud for whatever might happen to me. And I figured it was a man. So um, if he's above six feet and he's strong, I'll take him out at the knees and I'll go for the soft points. You know, his joints, like uh, the armpits and his crotch. Uh, He'll fall. I'll hog tie him with my belt. And then I'll question him. Why were you after me? That sort of thing. If he's about my height... Uh, And my build, I'd read his movements, I'd blind him with one of my two pens, probably the black one, and end it with a swift kick to the crotch. Gold. If he's shorter than me, crotch, then I run like hell. And if he's armed, gun, crotch, knife, crotch, crossbow, you get where I'm going with this. And then I heard twigs snapping behind me and I turned and I shouted, hey! (laughs) Sorry about that. Uh, I turned and I shouted, hey. Hey. And I pulled out my blue pen, which was so not the plan, and I was brandishing it like a field knife. And I remember shouting, I'll fuck you up, bitch. Yeah. And the birds just continued to call to one another, and they were most likely asking who the fuck this loud idiot was down their path. And I I feel like I didn't so much look threatening as I looked really pissed off to be signing autographs. And at this point, three hours have gone by. And my hanger headache was squeezing the back of my eyes. You know what I'm talking about? Sounds were getting louder and smells were stronger, mine included. I stunk. Oh, God. Also, my gut was long empty. I hadn't eaten since the day before. You see, I had this plan that uh, after work, I'd ask Tabitha to dinner and a drink at Blue Eyes, you know, before the mental break. So I hadn't eaten in like, geez, 26 hours? That's unhealthy. My stomach was growling, and I kept doing my best to keep it tight, you know, to avoid hunger vomit. You know what I mean? You ever had that that hunger vomit thing? What the fuck is that about? Anyway, I was fishing in my pockets, and I ended up finding this pack of gum, and I didn't even hesitate. I ate the entire pack as like one minty, rubbery, constipation-inducing brick, which surely wouldn't literally become like some form of pain in my ass at a later date. Regrets are a thing. And all the same, it did take care of my hunger pangs. Plus, I was so fresh and so clean, which is a win-win, really. It would also be a very big lose-lose real, real soon, Uh, but I'll get to that later. I just want you to imagine, um, get the image of cork in your head. Yeah. So night was coming, and so was more hunger, and I was dragging my feet, and the birds had ceased, and they had given way to crickets and the occasional owl. By the way, have you ever actually seen an owl? I haven't. Not in the wild, which sucks because they scare the shit out of me. Oh, I'm not kidding. I am terrified of owls. I mean, bats are fine. Bats I've seen. I, fuck, I was seeing them that night. But owls? I mean, honestly, I feel like owls have secrets. What? Uh, anyway, I <clears throat> I wasn't getting to the cabins that night. That's my point. That was for sure. And like I said, I was getting plenty hungry. And unless I wanted to eat the dirt-caked shirt off my back, I, I needed to search for something s- substantial, you know, substantial. And I had about a solid hour and a half, max, until it got too dark to see my hand in front of my face. See, the canopy of trees overhead—they made 7 p.m. look like midnight. Also, uh, as I as I started off, uh, have you ever been dehydrated? I mean, I hadn't either. Not really. Not like dangerously dehydrated. Not. Not until I I decided to move. Not until right about then. I was out. Okay, almost. I was almost out. I almost passed out. Right out. No joke. I stumbled and I came to a knee and then the world spun and all I could taste was metal before hitting the ground and I was scared to death. Oh, by the way, did you know that stress burns energy too? Of course you did. I did not. I didn't think about it. So yeah, not only had I... Been trekking down that thing all day and not eaten, but I also been freaked out, so I, I I had nothing left in me, and I I woke up groggy, and very scared. A few minutes later, luckily it hadn't been that long, but I was still I was out long enough that I knew it it was serious, and that some long term damage could be done if I didn't do anything, if the damage hadn't already been done. I needed to find food. I needed to find water. And I was lying on the ground, and I was drooling for sure. I was tasting dirt for sure, which wasn't bad, actually. That's how hungry I was. And then I heard... I heard that metal-on-metal sound again. It was close. Really close. Like 50 feet away close. And then whatever adrenaline I had left in me, it kicked right back on. Now, it wasn't enough to win a fight, mind you, but it was enough to get my sorry ass off the ground and into a tangle of bushes. You know, just a little bit of a hiding place. God, man, I made so much noise. My only hope was that either it, everything was all in my head, the, the clanging sound, or that whatever was following me had made even more noise that it hadn't heard mine. And the sound stopped, and I saw it. Tall and, and broad. Really broad. Hunched over, and it was wide like a Mack truck. And it was dark enough that I couldn't see the whole thing, but I knew, you could tell it was a damn sight bigger than me. And that it was definitely looking for me. I could even, I could hear it talking to itself. Each time it would turn its head too, the, the rest of its body would follow. And then there was that that sound, you know, the clanging sound. I didn't do anything. What could I do? I sat there. I was quiet. I was wide-eyed. And I, was, I just counted the seconds until it moved toward me. But it didn't see me. I, I don't know. It was looking for footprints maybe or, or maybe it was looking for me i'm not really sure but it looked almost lost you know it, it was like three feet in front of me and have you ever panicked i mean really panicked like life and death type panic see my body was frozen there's like ice water in my veins i mean that's a real thing ice water in your veins when it just it it, it hurts to exist you're so afraid my adrenaline was over too and Eventually I calmed down. And a couple seconds later I calmed down enough to see that it was a man. But it didn't make it any less frightening. It, it, it made it worse, honestly. It was a man hunting me. Some nut job like, chasing after me. That, that I could understand all too well. I, I, my fears were right. So I held my hand over my mouth and I squeezed my jaw as hard as I could while still being able to breathe. And I saw what was making the clanging sound. And yeah, of course it was a machete. And it was brand new. I guess he'd bought the machete just for me. Lucky me. See, he was banging against some camping pots he'd had attached to his massive backpack, so I figured he'd kill me and eat me, in that order, if I was very lucky. Also, he was covered, like completely covered in camo netting. I, God, I did not like this. Eventually, he walked away, though not far of course he ended up making camp actually just beyond the trees uh right after the path there across the path and a few more minutes later he had a fire going and a tent set up and he was prepping whatever sort of unholy meal he'd snarfed down probably made from the flesh of lucky morons actually okay all things considered i'm even all things considered i'm being dramatic he wasn't a cannibal he wasn't my mind was just going haywire i and I know he wasn't a cannibal because he pulled out this fire-roasted vegetable medley. You know, one of those mountain house meals. Have you ever had one? They're actually really good. But, like, I guess vegetarians have also been killers before. So maybe he wasn't going to eat me, but he could still kill me for my newfound fortune. Is, man, is that sad that that sounds optimistic to me? Anyway, holy shit. The smell of his meal. i was I was so hungry. And a pack of gum does not a meal make. Or a day's worth of rations, for that matter. Also, I was no hunter, so... I wasn't gonna, like, track down a bunny or anything. And I I was not stoked on eating bugs. So, really, when you get down to it, I only had one other option. Which is stupid, but I still decided it was the best course of action. So I steal myself. And I ease my way out of the bush. I didn't make a single sound, I swear. You could call me the thing that stalks the darkness. And I got closer to his campfire. See, I was being pulled in. You know what I mean? Like hooking my lip for the smell of his food. See, I needed it to be my food. And I crept closer. And closer still. Closer. He was a big guy. I I could see his back muscles through his jacket. No joke. So I, uh, if he caught me, I was done. I needed to be quick. I needed to hit him with everything I had. So I did. Man, he went down easy. You'd think a guy that big would take more to knock out, but (laughs) no, it was really easy, actually. Okay, and to be fair, I did crack him in the back of the head with one of his own cast iron pans. I mean, you know, you see people in movies get smashed with cast iron skillets, and they're like, they're mostly okay, right? Not that guy. In real life, that'll probably almost kill you. At the very least, it'll almost kill you. I mean, he's still breathing. I didn't I didn't kill him, I don't think. He was also mumbling, and he was bleeding. Actually, honestly, I felt kind of bad, even though he was trying to kill me. I mean, I assumed he was trying to kill me. Also, this doesn't really matter, but you know how killers in movies are always, like, gruff or scarred and ugly or, or whatever? Well, he was not. He was handsome. Oh, man. He was real good looking. Like, best looking murder award for sure. So I snatch up the meal that was still in his hand and still in the package, and I took a bite, and my God, it was good. So good. Best thing I've ever eaten. You know, hunger is the greatest spice and that sort of thing. Then I took his machete, for good measure. I mean, come on. Then I looked around the rest of his campsite, and I know that I was hungry and loopy, and I had to judge him. He'd lugged with him like an entire kitchen, and all of it was brand new. Not a damn thing had been used before. The tent, which was still rolled up, which I also took, by the way. All of his cooking supplies were, were spotless, not to mention the expensive-looking chair I'd knocked him clean out of, or, or his clothes, for that matter. They were all squeaky clean. They were shiny and new camo. New camo. This guy was no hunter. or He wasn't even a hobbyist. He probably just ducked out that day or, like, that week to grab all that shit for the explicit purpose of hunting me down the middle path. His backpack, for that matter, his backpack was big enough to hold several weeks' worth of Mountain House meals, and of course it did! He had, shit, I don't know, like 30? Okay, maybe, like, maybe closer to 15 or 20 of those meals in his bag. So I I had to take two more. I never did like the chili mac and beef, but I wasn't complaining about a free meal. And then I left. I left him there to sleep off the concussion I'd given him, you know, if he didn't die in his sleep. But really, and I really say this in all honesty and clarity, Fuck that guy. I'm no murderer, but he was hunting me. Payback is indeed a bitch. Now, I found a place to camp out uh, with it, with my would-be assailant's uh, tent. And it was a warmish night, so sleeping uh, far, far, far down the path uh, off in some bush. It really wasn't that bad. I slept in my clothes, and I ate another one of the meals. And... Of course, I had forgotten that you actually have to cook them, so it was more like eating dusty ramen that tasted like chili mac ass, but still, I got to eat, and I got to fall asleep on a full stomach, and that's it, and I woke up and I left the tent behind while eating a brick of spaghetti for breakfast, Uh, it was the other meal, and then it was a pretty uneventful day, I mean, hours went by before I even got to the end of the path, yeah, the only, the only way that I even knew that I was at the end of the path, I was so zoned out, was that I hit the thick branches uh, at the very end, and I could hear the river. I mean, really, I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention. I really wasn't, but it seemed significantly shorter than the first time just to get to the end. I mean, I'd, I'd covered a ton of ground running, and hiding, for that matter. Uh, man, I had nothing left in me. Again. And it was worse than the first time, actually. I'd been... I mean, this time I was jogging all day off and on, and really, I wasn't the best marathoner, and the only thing that I'd really had to eat was that uncooked mountain meal, and... God, I had nothing left in me. Food, liquid, or or energy. I mean, at at best, I was made of fumes. My last and my only hope was I had to find something inside the cabins. Anything would do. I, I honestly even thought about eating Hazel, the raccoon that I'd met the first time. I mean, she'd be gamey, but... Should probably be delicious. See, I, I stumble through the brush, and then I get to the cabins, and I gotta be honest, they were really beautiful in the evening sun. I mean, they really, really were. And I get to the main cabin, uh, the town hall, I guess, maybe, or the mayor's house, anyway, I, I went inside, and I completely ransacked the place for something that even remotely resembled food. Water was more important, for sure, but I'm very stupid, and I really like to eat and all the cabins were, excuse me, the cabinets, all the cabinets were empty except for one. It was the largest one and it was the pantry, pickles. All the pickles a man could ever stand I mean, I I imagine this is where pickles came from, and where they vacationed, and where they raised new little families of pickles, normal pickles, pickled eggs, pickled carrots, like some kind of pickled root, pickled cabbage. There was sauerkraut, there were pickled onions, there was was some kind of pickled fish, even. And more pickles, more normal pickles, more and more and more, and all of the sodium a man's body could ever need. And I grabbed the nearest jar, and I'm telling the story to you now, and God, my, my mouth is watering just remembering it. And I grabbed the nearest jar, And I packed, it was, it was packed with the largest pickles that I had ever seen. And I popped the top and the room filled with that unmistakable funk of brine. And I love that smell. I love it normally. I mean, but I, man, I love me some pickles. I can't, I can't stress that enough. So this was like, holy grail shit right here. And in general, I love pickles, but that day it meant life life-giving, life-preserving, delicious brine, and holy shit, were they ever the best pickles that I'd have in my short time on this planet thus far. I mean, I easily had five of them, and they were each as thick as your wrist and about half the length of your forearm. They were so good. So good. And I was full. Oh, I felt great. So full. And then I had more. More pickles. And then I, I popped open the onions for some variety, and they were so goddamn good. It was this explosion of flavor and a smell like no other, and I alternated between the two until I just couldn't pack my gut full anymore. And then, oh man, I, was, I moaned, and I munched, and I just kept on going, and I was so thirsty. So thirsty. Did I mention sodium? Because I was full up on salt and ready for a quench, let me tell you. And you know, the sink, of course, because of probably when everything was built. It had no plumbing. It just had a hole. Uh, it was just, it really, was, it wasn't even a hole. It was just like a basin there. There was no plumbing at all. But outside, near the middle of the cluster of cabins, there was a water pump. And I actually said, I said out loud, oh, mama. And I trudged outside with a half-eaten pickle in my hand. And my strength had been restored. You know, thanks to the nearly, God, I must have eaten like three pounds of pickled foods just wolfed it all down and so working the pump wasn't that hard my strength was actually back Uh, and the water gurgled up and this rusty brown liquid spilled out and then eventually it gave way to uh, clear well water a few seconds later and the taste of minerals were powerful but they weren't unpleasant I mean I was plenty happy to guzzle it all down and soak my head never mind that it tasted a little bit like pennies and that headache that had been so omnipresent the past day or so had left me. I was, you know, hungry as I had been and sure as hell dehydrated. I mean, all things considered, I was, when I calmed down and thought about everything, I was really shocked that I'd even made it to the cabins. I mean, what I had done just heading down the path unprepared was very, very stupid. I could have died. Never mind the fucking guy who was chasing me. I could have just died on my own. I actually had... I, I I owed a little bit of thanks to the guy who was trying to kill me. Isn't that some irony? Anyway, I started running over my insanity from the day before, and I laughed a little. I mean, it it's going to be a hell of a time explaining my behavior to the Janes, especially Tabitha. Shit. Shit, Tabitha. I, I didn't think about this, but... At the time, I could could kiss my chances with her goodbye. You know, that was for sure. Who makes a noise like that and runs off? You know, who full-on runs out of their place of business? Anyway, I shouldn't have been thinking about Tabitha or having regrets about the last day. I should have been paying attention. Not in my head, not eating another pickle. I should have been looking right in front of me and remembering something very important, that I had attacked a man who had been tracking me, who had been hunting me down. That I had hurt this man, I had robbed him, and I would left him at his well-stocked camp with plenty enough time to recover, eat, and maybe even shave, and plenty more time to follow me all the way to the cabins, because he did. There he stood at the furthest end of the settlement. His fists were balled, his pack had dropped to the ground, and he had another blade in his hand. Awesome. His blade... I mean, it was smaller than the machete he had taken, but it was plenty sharp. It was a Marine's knife. Of course he's a Marine, I thought. And of course, I didn't have the machete on me. It was back in the house. <laughs> it was on the countertop. There was blood on the killer's white t-shirt, and he was plenty dirty, and clearly very angry. He was walking up to me fast, and he did that jerk-back times Thing that jittery like fear-filled way when you have your you know your brain is screaming that your body should move but your body is clearly not listening and so I actually screamed like out loud I screamed and I ran into the house and I grabbed the machete and I came back and I was still screaming and I screamed what do you want and he fell to the ground he it dropped like just a sack of potatoes and then he scurried back to his stuff and he put up one hand and says please don't hurt me and calm down and I did. I calmed down immediately. I calmed right down. He was terrified of me. He thought, he even said he thought I was gonna chop him up. Sorry, I said. And it took a good five minutes of us apologizing to each other and desperately convincing each other that we weren't out to kill each other. Then there was more apologizing. Oh, uh, to be sure, I kept his machete, just to be safe. Also, This proves that you can convince yourself of crazy shit. Because I looked down at the Marine's knife that he had, quote unquote. It was a pen. It was a pen. He was holding a pen. It wasn't a knife. You know, I asked, why are you following me? I had to know. But he said that he wasn't following me. He couldn't tell me why he was there, but he was most certainly, definitely not trying to kill me. So I asked his name which was Ken, which I could swear I'd heard Tabitha mention a, like some swole dude named Ken before. And my, honestly, my jealousy kind of kicked up. Then I asked if he was a hiker. He said no. I asked if he was a survivalist, sort of new to the whole thing. He said no. And he said again that he couldn't tell me why he was down the middle path. And I made, I made sure he knew that it sure seemed like that he'd been following me. And he was. So... He wasn't trying to kill me, though. But he was trying to beat me to the settlement. So, guess what he was trying to beat me to? You're looking for the deed, aren't you? I had to ask. And he was shocked I knew about it. Even more so when I told him that I owned the valley. In hindsight, I mean, why the hell did I tell him that? I mean, he didn't try to do anything. He didn't try to kill me. Which was... I mean, he most likely could have done. I mean, he was fucking huge, but... Flapping my big mouth or you know, about being stupidly rich, it was not smart. I didn't know this guy. What I was doing was absolutely stupid. Luckily, so was Ken. Okay, that's mean. He's not stupid. he's He's just not observant. He, and he's also pretty fucking impulsive. I mean honestly, he honestly thought the deed was just for the house and cabins. He didn't even bother reading it. I mean, there's no way you could have known that the, like, the Mythic Valley was as big as it was, but it was right there on the on the sheet that you owned the valley and everything in it. So I asked him why he left the deed behind, and I'm not kidding you. He said that he never thought that someone else would find the place. Okay. I mean, fair enough. It had taken someone a while to find it, but never? Really? That's, that, that is stupid. He's not stupid, but that is most definitely stupid. You know what else is stupid? Uh eating a metric ton of uh, pickled food. Do you have any idea what happens when you bombard your delicate system with that much brine and sodium and whatever else is in there? Oh, also, you remember how I'd eaten that whole uh, pack of gum before and I'd asked you to remember cork? Now, I don't wanna get too graphic over what happened next, but um, I did double over in sudden gripping pain in my deepest, darkest places. And to describe exactly what happened next, I'm gonna give you an analogy that you won't like and some recommended reading for um, color to sort of fill in the blanks here. First, uh, the description, my analogy. Uh, Have you ever made a volcano with baking soda and vinegar? Yeah. Now, I want you to imagine having it wadded up with cork before the experiment. Now, imagine all of that pressure and the release? Do you get where I'm going with this? And for color, of, of how it really went, really went, I want you, I highly recommend you read the story that I found on Tumblr a few weeks back. Um, it's it's very graphic, and it's also very similar to what happened to me. Just just go look up Annan Love's Pickles. Just do that. Just go and do that so I don't have to describe what kind of downtown pushdowns was going on within my body. Anyway, after that, we talked for a while. Uh, you know, after my episode in the outhouse uh, had You know Let's not talk about that anymore. Uh, I was hydrating the entire time. We're talking and you know It turns out that Ken's actually really nice and again. He's not stupid. He's just really impulsive. He's actually pretty fucking smart and Luckily, he didn't know that it was me who hit him over the head and robbed him. Also. I didn't correct him It was a dick move, but whatever Ken, as it turns out, had just moved to town a few weeks prior, and he was actually Tabitha's neighbor. And I asked all these probing questions, because I'm a dick, to see if he had feelings for her, you know, as if I'd ever grow a pair and actually act on my feelings and ask her out, and... Ken didn't seem to find her attractive, even. Like, she wasn't his type or something, which is crazy, because... What, it is. I mean, she's everyone's type. I mean... <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> Ken turned out to have gotten uh, work with Hodgkin Farms. He just got hired by Hodgkin Farms, which happened to fall in my territory, so to speak. Uh, he's an engineer. Yeah, and he loves his job, and he loves his dog as much as life itself. And, you know, he was a real pleasure to talk to. I mean, and that was really the rest of the night. He actually even ended up inviting me to go to the ranch, to go to Hodgkin Farms. It's a really big deal. I, I don't know if you know that, but like Hachiken is well known in the county. I mean, like all over, actually. I remember being in Japan and and seeing their products there is nuts. Anyway, it's really hard to get on site. You have to either uh, work there or you have to be a student in their program or you have to be directly invited by uh, a staff member. So this was great. I I'd never actually been there as long as I'd lived in Hornsby County and I'd always wanted to um but anyway I'm, I'm getting off the topic like i said that was all we did for the night you know and i actually i gave him the bed upstairs uh because it only seemed right after smashing his brains in you know the night before and i took the couch and we both slept soundly i mean ken hadn't hadn't been after me he hadn't been hunting me or trying to murder me for my fortune I and mean, he's just a really nice guy who'd beaten honestly beaten me to the punch but he just didn't have the luck of being weird about carrying two pens, one black and one blue, and he could have easily had been me. You know what I mean? And that, you know, something about that, it made me really happy. And it made it very easy to sleep that night. You know, I guess it's because I'd never really considered myself lucky until then, and that feel really, it it felt really good. It's kind of cool. But, Do you know what luck is? I mean, do you really, have you ever thought about it? Do you really understand what luck is? See, my favorite definition, it goes like this. Luck is the random of the universe made manifest. Luck is the fairy tale we tell ourselves to explain the good and the bad. It's essentially lies. See, I told myself that Ken was harmless and a friend, which is true. And that made me feel lucky. It made me believe that there wasn't someone uh, following me. That there wasn't someone outside my cabin uh, in the darkness watching me sleep and wishing and planning to do me harm. See this is a great example of the lies that we tell ourselves even if we don't know we're lying. See I told myself I told myself that I was lucky and that I would be safe and that I would sleep through the night And I'd be fine when morning came. And why wouldn't I think that? See, I was convinced that I was safe inside those walls. I didn't know any better. How could I have known any better? I mean, I wasn't the one standing outside of my window wearing a green hat and a brown coat. I wasn't the one who'd followed both Ken and I soundlessly through the woods. I was the stupid one, asleep on the couch, oblivious as the window slid open and a hand crept in. So that is going to be the end of this episode of We Written, um, and a little spoiler alert. Well, not so much a spoiler, but um, the scenario that I just set up is it leads into a true story that happened to me when I was a kid. You will most likely hear it at some point. Um, for now, uh, if you're again, if you're interested in writing for We Written, if you're interested in doing a chapter. Uh, remember that it doesn't have to come from any specific standpoint. Uh, it does have to continue the story in some way and happen in the same universe. Um, and if you're interested in doing that, just have a conversation with me. And then after that, you'll give me your episode and then we'll get it on here. And again, you can read it or I can read it. It's really up to you. The point of this whole thing, again, if you haven't... If this, we're still pretty young in this whole thing, in in the doing of the podcast. If... It, I, I, I want to do this... To collaborate, and I want to do this because I feel like there's not enough avenues for lesser-known for 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 authors in general to get their stuff on here, for musicians and any kind of storyteller to really get their word out there. So if you are one of those things, I would really love to hear your work. Uh, for now, that's going to be it from me. My name is Andrew Slack. This is We Written. Thank you guys so much for listening and for your input and for your support, for damn sure. Um, uh, for other work that we're doing, please check out Chickenfoot TV on youtube if you are listening to this on chicken foot tv thank you guys so much for your support there this is available on soundcloud chicken foot tv on youtube and uh itunes uh but that's going to be it for me thank you guys so much go and have the best day that you've ever had and we'll see you again on we written